Merry Christmas. It's time. The countdown is officially over. It's the first ever Christmas episode of the podcast. Man, this is going to be so much fun. We're going to talk about the life of Jesus, the reason for the season, of course, funny Christmas stories, my favorite traditions this year, the book of Luke, and why anyone can be saved that there's no one too far gone for God. Are you ready? Welcome to episode 21, the greatest news of all time. All right, all right, all right. Merry Christmas and happy birthday, Jesus. I cannot believe that it is Christmas already. Currently, I'm recording. It is after 8.30 on Christmas Day. I know I said that I would put this out the weekend of Christmas, but time got away from me. Family came in that we don't normally get to see for a while, so sorry that it's up late. I hope you guys had a great Christmas with your family. Again, happy holidays. So that brings me to where in or where you're listening. So maybe you're listening while traveling back home, opening gifts, or chilling after a long day with the fam. Wherever you're listening, welcome back to the podcast. Cue Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays by NSYNC. Grab some hot cocoa, drop some marshmallows in there, turn on the Christmas tree and cozy up because it is the first ever Christmas episode of TJS. Y'all, I'm so excited for this one. You have no idea. There's something so cozy about the Christmas season. Like I'm looking at all the aesthetic posts on Pinterest, a snowy ski trip in Colorado, an ice skating outing in New York, gift wrapping and gingerbread house making. I think this has to be my favorite season ever. But I don't know what the weather is like where you are, but this Christmas is supposed to be, it actually was, a little warmer than usual, which stings. Last year, 2022, was a, such a good year for the holidays because Thanksgiving was cloudy, which I like. There's something about a dreary day on Thanksgiving that just fits. Don't judge, okay? I'm, I'm kind of odd. Um, and we had a white Christmas last year in my little Kentucky town of Owensboro. It was a white Christmas, so that was perfect. And I'm not talking a few flurries either. We got a good couple of inches of snow that stuck around for a hot minute, and it was just perfect. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Okay, so let's get into testimony time for this episode. The slogan for this one is Jesus is iconic. And let me tell you why. This takes place when I was 19 years old and I was running as far away as I could from church and Jesus. I always had this thought like, why is everyone that I know that doesn't follow Jesus look like they're having all kinds of fun? And here I am having the least amount of fun ever. The thoughts of an older teen can hit different, let me tell you. <laughs> so one day, me and a friend were door dashing. Yes, I did that for a hot minute until something scary happened. More on that in another episode. But anyway, we were headed down the road, jamming out to some music and having a good time, chatting and laughing like girls do. And for context, we were driving down a back road doing about 60 at this point, And I did not have my seatbelt on before anybody comes for me. That was the stupidest decision. And now that's the first thing I do in getting in a car. Okay. So here we are driving down the road when suddenly past all the loud music and conversation, I hear a voice and it says, put your seatbelt on. I sit back in my seat, glance out the window and shrug it off. Eh, that was nothing. Re-engage in the conversation about, <laughs> honestly, it was probably about my college math class because your girl was dying at that point in the semester. I was probably failing. Then the voice comes back again. Put your seatbelt on. Again, I shrug it off. At this point, you guys are probably like, 
Peyton, what are you doing, man? Retelling this, I feel like the stupid character in a movie that doesn't listen and that gets killed because of their stupidness. And finally, I hear it a third time and it sounded different, almost like a parent who (laughs) is agitated with their kid. If you know, you know what this voice sounds like. Fed up. Put your seatbelt on. And I listened, reached back, grabbed it, clipped it in. And just ahead there, there was an intersection with two stop signs to our left and right. And there's a truck with a trailer hitched onto it. And this guy pulls out. So mind you, we're still doing 60 down this little two-lane highway. And as we're getting closer, I remember the words my friend said to this day, we're going to hit him. We're going to crash. We're going to hit him. We, I can't stop. We're going to hit him. In that moment, my heart sank. And we slammed into the trailer, spun out, and landed just at the edge of a deep ditch. Now, y'all, if y'all have been in an accident, you know it's like panic mode. Like after my ears were ringing, my phone was gone somewhere, couldn't find it. I hit my head on the dashboard and the car was smoking. The windshield was shattered. It was cracked. My friend pulls me out of the car. And when the paramedics showed up, they said, if either of you did not have your seatbelt on, you would have gone through the windshield 100%, no question. You either would have been brain dead or you would have died. And when I tell you, I got chills. I did. And y'all, I wasn't even living right at the time. I was going 100% the other direction. Like, Jesus, no, not today. Like, I'm going this way, Jesus. Okay, you can stay, you know, on your side of the line. I'm going to go this way and I'm going to live my life. Like I said, I wasn't doing the church thing. I was on the run from God, yet he still warned me. He still protected me and kept me safe. Jesus saved my life that day. No question at all. And that is one of the stories that I really just honestly remember a lot and reminisce about, not reminisce, but recall a lot because it just, it just tells you God does not stop pursuing you even after you stop pursuing him. His love is unending. It's infinite. And he doesn't stop caring about you after you walk away. He will always be there with open arms ready for you to come back. And if you don't, He's always going to be there reminding you, protecting you, keeping you and saying, hey, come back to me. I'm, I, I want you back on my team. I want you back so bad. And I came back, obviously, duh. I mean, here I am <laughs> a couple of years later with the Christian podcast. Duh, I came back to God. But that is honestly one of the one of the stories I tell because this just tells me and so many other people that have heard it were absolutely just chills amazed um and that doesn't even begin to describe the amount of emotions running through you as you hear the story but it just tells you that god loves you no matter what okay so the book of the bible we are focusing on for this special episode is luke in case you missed it many people actually have read this story throughout the month of december because it has 24 chapters tells of the life of jesus beginning at his birth and ending with his ascension back into heaven after he is risen from the dead. And let me tell you, it is a wild ride. You have the joy of Jesus being born, drama with the Pharisees who are constantly looking for a way to cancel Jesus because honestly, let's be real, they were the cancel culture back then. I think they're the origin story of the cancel culture, let me tell you. And then you have the tension when the soldiers were hunting down Christ, the sadness of the crucifixion, Sadness doesn't even begin to describe that moment in this book. 
um, it just kind of fit. <laughs> so the sadness of the crucifixion and the joy, of course, the joy of the empty tomb. So it's the perfect Bible story for the holidays because it reminds us what the true reason for the season is about. I know that sounds cliche. I know it's like all you've been seeing on the Christian side of TikTok, okay, or on Instagram reels, but it's true. It's cliche, kind of simple, and it kind of rhymes. So it sticks with you or it does in my case. <laughs> all right. So quick book breakdown of Luke's gospel. So number one, it is the longest of what I like to call the core four being the gospel collection. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the emphasis in this story is the perfect humanity of Jesus. So this book is considered to be the most poetic and beautifully written out of all the other gospels too. And I'm sure if the other boys, you know, Matthew, Mark, and John, or any of the disciples were to hear this, if Luke himself had learned this, He'd do that thing that guys do in a group like the handshake, the head nod, the handshake, and say, that's right, boys, I did that in your face. While we don't know much about his personality, we can see that by his writings, Luke loved Jesus. He wrote in great detail about the power and authority of Christ, the king nature of him, and yet the human side of Jesus, too detailing encounters he had with various people and how Christ treated those who were broken with great care and compassion. And there's a lot that happens in this book, to say the least, y'all. There's a moment where, <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about reading it, there's a moment where the disciples ask Jesus himself, okay, which one of us is going to be the top man in your kingdom? Who's the greatest? Like, can you imagine what Jesus looked like in that moment. He's just trying to relax, you know, for a second after healing people, setting them free, and feeding 5,000, not five, y'all, 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread for crying out loud. And y'all want to know who's the greatest? I literally paused and sat there for a second. Like the audacity that these men had asking Jesus Christ, who's going to be the top dog in heaven? What are y'all doing? <laughs> Then you have the moment when Jesus was at dinner with a Pharisee and there was a woman who was a sinner who entered into the home with an alabaster jar. She shows up after hearing news of Jesus and she cries at his feet and poured some perfume that was in the jar at his feet. And the Pharisee basically said, if this man talking about Jesus here, if this man really is a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And in the New Living Translation, it actually says that after the Pharisees said this, Jesus answered his thoughts, okay? Jesus answered his thoughts. That's what the verse tells us. He le Jesus leans over to his disciples and tells a parable that basically teaches us the forgiveness and mercy of God toward humanity. The audacity of that Pharisee man to speak about Jesus that way, number one, when he's right there or at all, and number two, about a woman, but Jesus was not having it, ending the conversation with your sins are forgiven to the woman. And of course, we have the iconic line from the hate club of Pharisees that say, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? Now, I won't tell you everything that happens in this book. That's for you to read for yourself. Those are just some moments that stood out to me. And this book is unique in many retrospects as well. It holds more details about the birth and the childhood of Jesus, holds more parables than any other gospel. And y'all get this, 
This book is actually called A Piece of Investigative Journalism. So you know I jumped at the chance to talk about this and it just happened to be our Christmas episode. So that's even more fun. So let's chat real quick about our disciple that's spotlighted here, our guy, Luke. So who was this guy anyway? Well, history tells us that he was a physician who most believed lived in the city of Antioch, and scholars say that he was the most educated author out of all the New Testament. And he was the final friend who visited Paul. I've heard that name before, right? We've talked about him a couple of times here on the podcast, right before Paul's life was ended. And you could say that Luke was a pro-detective because in chapter one, right out of the gate, we are told that he carefully investigated everything from the beginning. And Luke was a researcher too. We are told that this guy ran off of straight facts, carefully investigating each and every source and eyewitness account that he had possession of concerning Jesus Christ. Luke wanted to make it known that Jesus died for everyone, not just a specific group of people. And let me remind you, following Jesus certainly wasn't easy back then either. I mean, think about it, right? You had groups of people hunting down Christians and imprisoning them or worse. So I can imagine Luke had to be doing this on the down low, like on the DL. Maybe he would leave his house late at night to gather more information or conduct secret interviews with people who had seen the events that were carried out by Christ or walk with Jesus for themselves. I wonder if notes were exchanged by hand and passing on the street by someone helping Luke out and finding more information. If Luke had to duck and hide, stash scribble notes into drawers at the whisper of soldiers in the city searching homes from night raids, you never know because life was just as real then and pretty scary, probably the same as now. I mean, we're told in Acts chapter 22 that Paul, before accepting Christ, was hunting followers of Jesus down and arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. So they were not playing when it came to imprisoning followers of Christ back then. So again, life as a follower of Jesus certainly wasn't easy back then. And if people found out you were writing about the greatest man in history that threatened the very government system, it's dangerous for sure. And Luke had to have known the risks, but he wrote anyway. And I'm sure some people who knew Luke writing about these things were saying, why are you writing about this out of all the things you could possibly write about? Why this? Little did Luke know that his story would go on to touch lives all around the world, would give a new insight, a deeper look into the life of Jesus himself, and tell us the simple story of why he died for us out of love. And this is why thousands of years later, I'm sitting in a little studio telling you this story because Jesus pulled me out of a life that only left me heartbroken and lonely, always looking for something to fill the void, and told me that he loved me that I'm not defined by my sin, but by his love and his name. Romans 8.35 fits so perfectly for this moment. The verse reads, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? This tells me that once you say yes to Jesus, he's with you forever. No matter how many mistakes you've made, how you failed to read your Bible or pray or tried to run, He is always there. That's the part of who he is. And Jesus never turns his back on one of his own either. Not ever. I mean, you heard my testimony at the beginning, right? Jesus did not turn his back on me. And he won't turn his back on you either. So if the enemy is whispering lies to you, 
of you can't say yes to Jesus because of your past, your sin, or your lifestyle, remind that slimy snake of Acts 16.31. Again, that's Acts 16.31 that says, And so they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, I'm not saying that everyone in your house is getting saved just because you did. Everyone has their own choice, right? But like I've said before, Jesus is a pretty great persuader. And speaking of Jesus, how about we get into our verse spotlight, Christmas edition? (laughs) What would an episode be without that? No, seriously, I don't know what that would look like, honestly. (laughs) Maybe one day, but we're just sticking to the outline here. So drum roll, please. Our very special Christmas verse spotlight is Luke 2.10. We're headed into Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Let's flip open our Bible or open the Holy Bible up together to check it out. The verse reads, and again, I always love the New King James Version starting off for the verse spotlight here. One more time, it's Luke 2.10. says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Now, I know the Bible can get pretty fast-paced and a little confusing at times, so how about we do a quick book rundown to get the gist of just what is going on at this point in the story. A little recap, if you will. So we aren't very far into the story here, only at the second chapter. But so far, we are in the city of Judea with a couple by the names of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Little side note here. I used to be so upset when I was little that I did not have a biblical name. (laughs) No, seriously. I was so upset that my name was Peyton. Like, come on, mom. You had to choose that. Really. (laughs) But as I got older and read more in the Bible and found this woman named Elizabeth, I realized my middle name, Elizabeth, obviously, is actually from the Bible. So yay, part of my name is from the Bible. I could truly care less now, but just a little side combo for you there. Anyway, so we have this couple who is older, you know, they're pretty up there in age, and they obviously couldn't have kids. Well, one day, Zachariah goes into prayer and an angel appears before him telling him that he will have a son and that he's going to call him John and his son will prepare the people of Israel for the Lord, meaning Jesus. And Zachariah's response is funny here because I can picture it playing out in my head. He's like, how do I know that this is true? I'm an old man and my wife, you know, she's not young anymore, if you know what I mean. And the angel Gabriel was like, look, man, I stand in the literal presence of God, and the big man sent me here to tell you this message, and you have the nerve to say that after I tell you these great things. So Gabriel makes Mr. Zachariah mute, so he can't speak anymore. And Elizabeth was expecting soon after this whole event happened, but here's the thing. Another story is playing out on the other line. God sends an angel to a city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin named Mary who was soon to be engaged to a guy named Joseph. You know where we're going here, right? (laughs) If you don't, I got you. Don't worry. The iconic couple, you could say, of this time, Mary and Joseph. And so the angel comes to Mary telling her that she has found favor with God and that she will bring forth a son and call him, here's the moment, the buildup of the story that we have all been waiting for, Jesus. And the angel goes on to tell her about just who her son will be, what he will be like. Verse 32 of chapter 1 states, He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And guess what the name of the angel is that is spilling this story to her? Gabriel. That's right. The same angel that appeared before Zechariah previously. 
And ironically, Mary answers the same way Zachariah did, saying, how can this be? And I can just imagine if there was a camera in Bible times, Gabriel would look straight into it, stone cold look on his face and say, are you serious? This again? (laughs) Round two. But we learned that plot twist. Mary and Elizabeth are relatives. They're family. And in a moment in chapter one, this stood out to me. Mary has a speech. I don't know if you call it that, but she's basically speaking about how God has turned his attention to her, a lowly maidservant, how he has done great things for her and how he has shown such great mercy to the people. So Mary stays with Elizabeth for three months and John is born. But we have a scene where everyone is freaking out about naming him John because apparently there are no relatives called by that name. So I'm guessing this was against the norm to name this baby John. And Zachariah, still mute, grabbed a tablet and pen and wrote, his name is John. And suddenly he can speak again and he just starts praising God because let's be honest, this man is older, just saw his newborn son, who they thought would never be a possibility, and he can speak again. (laughs) I mean, I would be saying thank you, Jesus, a hundred times over if I could finally talk after months of being mute. Then the chapter ends with Zachariah giving a speech of his own, again, mirroring Mary's, and some things that stood out to me here were that God has visited and redeemed his people. And speaking about his son, John, who is minutes old at this point, says he will give knowledge of salvation to God's people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of God to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. If this chapter had a title on the modern day, I think it would be God's plan. We learn about the greatest man of all time, Jesus, how he is going to be born, and the other man who will be, I guess you could say, a predecessor, John, preparing the world for the Savior by the name of Jesus Christ. Little did baby John know that he would baptize Jesus later in life, too, in a river. He would be living in the wilderness, eating locusts and wild honey. Kudos to him because I'd be gagging. But the point is, God always has a great setup to every story. He orchestrated Mary and Elizabeth being relatives, how the same angel Gabriel appeared to both Mary and Zechariah, and each baby being given their name from God himself. The plan of God exceeds our thoughts, and there may be times where you may not understand what is going on or maybe ask why you're struggling. I mean, look at Zechariah and Mary. I'm sure they were both like, how in the world is this going to play out? But in the end, the plan played out in the beginning of the greatest story of all time had begun. Okay, so now we're headed into chapter two, so wherever Spotlight is located. And chapter two begins kind of like a movie, to be honest. So Jesus is born wrapped in swaddle clothes in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn, or in other words, hotel. So side note, reading the story, this specific part stood out to me. There was no room for Jesus, little baby Jesus in the inn, the infant who came from heaven, a gift from God himself. And he's placed in a manger. And let me tell you, the word manger literally means a long box for horses or cattle to eat from. That thing probably didn't smell too good. And there were probably animals around them. So this environment doesn't seem fit for a king in the eyes of the world. But to God, this was all part of the plan because Jesus was humble and his life didn't start in a palace of gold and pearls surrounded by wealth. But in researching this, I found something interesting. More often than not, shepherds lived with their flocks for days or months at a time. They would not head home to a warm house or palace when they had a herd of sheep to protect and defend, to take care of. The parallel here is that Jesus 
will soon refer to himself as the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep, being you and me. That when people come and go in your life, when they hurt your feelings and leave you high and dry, Jesus waits for you. People come and go, but Jesus stays. Remember that. You have him for life after accepting him into your heart. We see that from the beginning, God choosing a manger for his son is him saying, my son will be for everyone, for the shepherds who are dirty from taking care of sheep, for the rich and poor, the people who seem to have it all together and those who were struggling, for every nation, every city, every person who lives now and for years to come. Because despite the world's efforts, of trying to stamp out the name of Jesus, he is still relevant. Jesus Christ stays relevant. The news of Jesus never gets old, never goes out of style, and it never has and never will. Okay, since we're all caught up now, let's hop back into our verse spotlight. So I like to think of the angel here as a sort of paper boy. Do we even have those anymore? Everything's really online now, so probably not in many places. But these shepherds were staying in this field, guarding their flocks of sheep, when, bam, a literal angel appears before them. I don't know if you all have any idea of what angels really look like, but let's just say they aren't chubby babies with wings playing harps. Now, these guys are honestly pretty scary looking. Do me a favor, Google what do angels really look like, and you'll be surprised. <laughs> so I can only imagine what these shepherd guys were thinking, probably nudging each other and whispering, hey man, you're seeing this too, right? I'm not, I'm not crazy. But the angel comes with some news, and pretty good news at that. News about joy, a foreshadowing about a baby to be born soon named Jesus. He is the good tiding that the angel is speaking of, but for now, it's kind of on the down low. This verse is literally the logo or saying of spread the good news of Jesus. It all started in a little town called Bethlehem, where we are now about to head to. In reading this verse as a whole, I researched and these three things can be seen. Do not be afraid because again, if you've seen what angels really look like, you'd probably pass out. Number two, the coming great joy of Jesus and how the good news of Jesus is for everyone. There's no one exempt from this great gift that is quite literally on the way. And I have good news for you today. This Jesus that we have been talking about, the one who was born in a manger, recruited 12 men to be his disciples, faced hardship, loneliness, hunger, pain, and heartbreak. He wants you. He's running after you. Nothing you can do can ever stop the pursuit of Jesus. And he can be yours today. You may be asking, how do I even do this, Peyton? You have no idea of my lifestyle, what I've done. My past, my struggles, you don't know me. You're right, I don't know you. I don't know where, where you are, but God does. God see, He sees you today. God sees you. And it's possible. You receiving Christ is a possibility. It's a choice because of a concept called repentance. So let's break this word down really quickly. The word repent literally means to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about a wrongdoing. For example, I repent or losing my cool in traffic this morning, or calling a lady a Grinch when she was rude to me, when all I was trying to do was help her see some Christmas lights. Yes, those both happened recently. Letting you in on my repentance there. <laughs> Sorry about that. But repent, but to repent is basically a conversation with God, an apology really, right? The whole relationship with Jesus all begins with repentance. 
of turning away from the old, turning away from the old life and embracing Christ. Now, if this is you and you're listening and you want to accept Christ into your heart, you want to change, break free of the hamster wheel of sin that the devil has you on. Maybe you're just exhausted and burn out from the parties, the social media scroll that leads to nowhere, of ultimately still sensing that empty space no matter what you do. You're just tired. Pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I'm tired of the constant cycle of sin that leads to nowhere, that leads to a dead end. Please come into my heart today. I believe that you came to earth as a baby in a manger, that you died and rose again for me, that your love for me is stronger than anything else in the world and overpowers any lie that the enemy holds against me, any sin that has kept me under the devil's thumb since this moment. I declare that here in this moment, right now, I believe in you. Help me to change, to start the process in growing closer to you and spread the good news of the gospel to others to win more people to your team. Amen. If you prayed that with me just now, I wish I could squeeze you super tight and just know that I'm smiling so big because I can truly say that this is the best decision that you can ever make. Not just because I made that decision, but because there's evidence to back it up that Jesus doesn't just walk into your heart and plop down on the couch with a bag of potato chips. He's a man that loves to work and work hard at that. He'll rearrange some things, including the enemy's face, and exterminate that pest from your heart. He will make that empty space full and make your heart his home. He will fill your mind that was once plagued by negative thoughts with reassurance that you are greatly loved, Psalm 139, 1-4, that your past no longer defines you, Colossians 1, and that Jesus does not treat us as our sins deserve or repays us according to our iniquities, Psalm 103:10. Highly, highly recommend Googling each of those verses and writing them down and keep them close because they are great reminders to us for who Jesus is. So one more time, those three look those up. It's your homework assignment, okay, (laughs) after the episode's over. So again, that's Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4, Colossians 1, verse 22, and Psalm 103, verse 10. And honestly, those first few moments of knowing Jesus just make you feel warm, like you've come home after a long time away, because truthfully you have. The gap has been bridged. The void has been filled. The holes that the enemy has dug for you to fall into and be trapped have been paved over for good. The devil calls you by your past, your mistakes, and your sins, but Jesus calls you his child, a son or daughter, a friend, beloved, and chosen. And there's a reason why Jesus died for our sins. He gave up his life for us, faced unbearable pain alone for the sake of our salvation and for us to have a relationship with him. And I know that there's a stigma going around. I think that's been a thing for a while where people say, you know, being a Christian, that whole follower of Jesus thing is so boring. Like, how do you even live life and have fun? Y'all follow the Bible and Jesus just has a list of do's and don'ts that lays out how you're supposed to live your life. And they're automatically turned off to it. And let me hit you with a quote I saw this week to answer this concept. Sin is expensive. It's paid for in mental, emotional, and spiritual pain. Remember that everything in the Bible that's labeled as a sin is what God is trying to protect us from. It's literally the reason why Jesus died for us, right? The reason why God sent his only son, one and only son, to come down here to earth where he would be beaten, mocked, ridiculed, and killed 
for the sake of reconciling us back to him. If you paid for something and it was perfect and pristine condition and everything you ever wanted, take Christmas, for instance, if you got exactly what you wanted, you opened up that gift, it was what you wanted, number one on your list. Why would you take it back? Why would you return it? You wouldn't, right? And that's Jesus. He is the perfect gift. I've been seeing posts all day like Jesus, the Lord is the most perfect gift you could ever receive. So if you're listening and you've accepted Christ, I want to encourage you, keep telling people about Jesus. Keep telling people about how God has changed your life. Post something on Instagram, post something on TikTok, write in your notes app, post a testimony, anything. Just talk to people at your work, at school, at college, in your sorority, in your fraternity, because Jesus has no boundaries. He can be everywhere at one time. And that's the beauty of following Christ. And if you haven't accepted Jesus, all it takes is that concept of repentance. All it takes is saying, I'm sorry, come into my heart, change my life today, and he will. He is not only a I can type of God, but he is an I will. I will change your life. I will love you despite your past. I don't call you by your past. I call you by your name. I call you by what I refer to you as. I call you my child. And Jesus's love knows no boundaries. So I want to talk really fast about a thought that I had driving home from work this week. So it's easy to love someone when they're doing good and they're nice, but it's hard to love someone who isn't kind and gives you the silent treatment or leaves you out or is just grumpy from having a bad day. But love, just like I talked to just a minute ago, Jesus's love has no boundaries. Love is even different with Jesus. No matter what you've done or where you've been, Jesus loves you today. It's so simple, but so impactful. Christ is a pro at impacting lives in the best way possible. It doesn't matter if you're reading the Bible every day or forget to on another, because let's be honest, I think I got through the first 15 chapters of Luke and then just time got away from me and I planned on binging. And then, you know, I wrote about I wrote this episode and, and I'm doing another podcast. So it's like, ah, oh, and I, I just, I lost, I, I lost it. I lost it. And I feel bad. And I'm probably going to go read more after this and finish it on Christmas. But I'm going to be honest here. I did not finish the Luke book challenge of December, if you want to call it that. But no matter what you've done or where you've been, Jesus loves you. So it doesn't matter if you are on fire when you pray or hardly pray at all. Jesus still has love for you. Yes, put that time in because when you invest in your relationship with Jesus, you will see things in your life that are proof of that. Maybe someone around you asks about Christ, a loved one accepts Jesus or comes back to church after being gone a while, or even maybe your day starts going better or you start understanding the Bible more or you suddenly have a desire to pray more often. I mean, that's all Jesus, right? Showing up. When you pour into Jesus, he will pour into you. And James 4.8 tells us to draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh, draw nigh to us. You may be like, draw nigh, what does that mean? <laughs> the definition of draw nigh literally means to come closer or to approach. So some ways you could do this include grab a Bible or download the Holy Bible app and dive into a story. Go all in, 100%. I recommend, as always, start with John or Hey, Luke, <laughs> let me tell you, we are reading John in my Bible study and you better have a box of tissues ready because it's an emotional ride. Don't even get me started on Luke because y'all, we get a glimpse of Jesus as a child, read about his birth and all the hardship he had and ultimately his triumph over death. 
there's something about knowing the details of the life of Jesus that just hits different. So tip number two, connect with other believers. You could search around your college town, your hometown, or wherever you're living right now to see if there's any small groups or Bible studies that you could attend. Or you can always splurge and go to Passion 2024. This is not sponsored, by the way. Don't be pulling that card. It's not sponsored. But I've heard great things about that conference, concert, whatever you want to call it. But it's great. It's always so awesome to just watch back. I always end up watching a live stream or like watching back on YouTube. It's always so good. But Jesus shows up and, it's, and it gets good, y'all. It's just a bunch of young people going to Atlanta. I think it's in Atlanta and just worshiping God bringing in the new year with Jesus. And that's, that's the best. It doesn't get better than that. I think that will be one of my goals next year is to go to Passion. Anyone in? Anyone? <laughs> Anyone want to grab some tickets to Passion 2025? Uh, okay, um, enough about that. Last tip, finally, pray. So this is our basic line of communication with Jesus. It's where you can get real and honest with him and you don't even have to worry about the conversation being leaked to anyone else, okay? The more you pray, the less worried you'll feel because God has a way of comforting you no matter what situation you're facing. Okay, so before we end out here, I wanted to talk to you guys about the holiday season real quick because hello, it's the Christmas episode really fast. I know I mentioned I'm literally sitting in the studio recording this the night of Christmas. This might go up the night, the day after Christmas. Who knows? It might go up later tonight. But still, regardless, it's the holiday season. <laughs> and I know that not everyone is always in a bright and merry mood this time of year. I realize that some of you may be grieving lost loved ones, facing uncertain times, or maybe even are just struggling with personal things. But I hope that in listening to the Jesus Sampler this holiday season brightens your day, your night, whatever time you're listening, and allows you to feel okay even if it's just for 20, 30 minutes or an hour, however long the episode runs until the episode ends. And also I want to talk on some different subjects here that I've been feeling lately. Um, personal, right? <laughs> Podcasts, personal thing. So being single during Christmas. If you didn't know, I'm single. <laughs> it's not easy seeing all the cutie date posts while you're sitting in bed chilling, watching Elf for the 50th time during December, or for me, the Polar Express. But for me, I've come to learn that my season of singleness, as we like to call it, is my time to be one-on-one -on -one with Christ and get to know Him personally for myself. I get the chance to build my own relationship with Him. And I truly believe that this season is preparing me for the next one. I may not totally understand God's plan all the time. Think back about Mary and Zachariah. Like, they probably didn't understand God's plan at that point in time. And yes, it's tough. But I have to trust that everything will work out for the good of those that love the Lord. Romans 8, 28. But I'm here today to tell you that Jesus can help you regardless of what you're going through or how you're feeling this season or any season, really. As followers of Christ, we are called to show love to those who are grieving, not just during the holiday season, but every day. In fact, the life of Jesus is our prime example of how we should live and in reading Luke, I actually found a moment where Christ was grieved by a loss. And I knew as soon as I read it, I had to add it into the episode last minute. So it happens in chapter 7 when a mother lost her only son. So we're told Jesus and his crew of disciples came upon a funeral procession, the coffin being carried down the streets with mourners trailing behind. 
And I can't imagine how the mother must have been feeling because obviously I'm not a mother, but I can picture it in my head. She probably has tissues clutched in hand, tears streaming down her face, struggling to even take a step forward because of the pain that comes from loss, of the loneliness that follows with it. What we do know is that Jesus spotted her in that crowd and stopped walking, pressed pause on the holy journey, and was moved by compassion. He weaves his way through the crowd to get close to her and says three words, do not weep. Now I'm sure she was confused, like she had just lost her only son. What does he mean? But it's the next thing that allows us to see yet another side of Jesus, his willingness. He walks up to the coffin. The funeral has stopped completely by this point, and I'm sure it was so silent you could hear a pin drop if they had pins back then. And Jesus touched the coffin saying, young man, I say to you, arise. And the man came back to life. And y'all, he started talking. He didn't just take a breath, but was talking, forming sentences and probably looking around super confused. Like, what is, what's going on? Why am I in a coffin? Hello? <laughs> We're not told the aftermath, but I'm sure there was a celebration. We know there was a reunion between a mother and a son. Love replaced sorrow, joy replaced depression, and life replaced death, all because Jesus showed up on the scene. And I tell you this account to remind you, wherever you are, that Jesus can show up in your life right now. All you need is one experience with Jesus, and your whole life is changed. I'm sure that encounter with Jesus changed that mother and son forever. And even if you say no, even if you shut the door in Jesus' face and say, I like my life. (laughs) I don't want to go that route. Bye. You'll never be the same again because you had an encounter with the man named Jesus that died for you and rose again to set you free and showed you a love like nothing or no one else can offer you. I'm just going to tell you straight up, right up front. You're never going to find a friend like Jesus. He's the best friend you could ever have. All the world has to offer is temporary things. My pastor tells us that a lot. All the world has is temporary things, but everything that Jesus offers is eternal. There's no need for a warranty on the things of Jesus. They don't wear down or fizzle out. They last forever. In my life, I can say that Jesus showed up on the scene for me. When I was at my lowest and thought I was worthless, he came close to me and whispered, I love you. You're worth dying for to me. Jesus shows up on the scene when he knocks on your heart's door. The iconic moment that everyone has, the scene where you get to choose whether to let him in or ignore the call. I encourage you, let him in today. Or if maybe you've pushed yourself away from him, let him draw you close again. Come close to him again. Let him have a chance to just show you just why the people in the Bible call him deliverer, savior, and friend. There's a reason why he is known by many names, because he's had many encounters that showed his character. Think about it. Our actions and words reveal who we are. If a person constantly smiles, has a kind word to say about everyone they meet, they're often referred to as a sweet, friendly, or gentle person. On the other hand, if they are grumpy all the time, always negative or rude toward others, you may hear people call them a grouch or maybe a negative Nancy. But the actions of Jesus have revealed to me that he is kind, caring, protective, and loving. And that's just in my life. I'm sure you have other words that you can refer to him as based on your experiences in your own life. 
Trust me when I say your life will never be the same when you encounter Jesus. When Jesus walks in, your whole life changes. I mentioned this in the last episode, but Jesus tells us to come as we are with all of the, I'm hesitating to call it baggage because that can have negative connotations, but regardless, he wants everything. He'll take the hard stuff. Gladly, he will take it just so that he can have your heart, just so that he can step into your life. Jesus says, come as you are, but don't expect to stay as you are. He came upon the funeral and the man was dead, but God had a plan. As soon as Jesus showed up, death trembled because he had already worked miracles. Jesus had already worked miracles before then. Death fled the scene when Jesus placed his hand on that coffin and commanded the man to arise, commanded the man back to life. Jesus is calling you out of the grave today, out of the grave of sin and into life, into freedom and joy today. So take his hand. I did. And even though some days are hard, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be honest. Some days are hard. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I really wouldn't. Because if I didn't have hard times, I wouldn't know more aspects of who Jesus is on a personal level. He's always there to help me, to guide me in the way I need to go. That's maturing, I think, truly. Not wondering why you're going through a hard time, but talking to God through it by looking for the lesson instead of the exit. Okay? That's a wrap on the Christmas episode. Oh my gosh. Okay, tap the follow button at the top and rate the show so that more people can find out about Jesus. Who wouldn't want to know him, right? And let's be friends. Follow our Instagram at the Jesus Sampler to see all the fun reels, a little bit about who I am, and get a sneak peek of the studio where the recording happens. I love all of you so much. I hope you all had a great Christmas, a Merry Christmas, and Happy Holidays. And thank you for sticking with me this far into the journey of podcasting because it is not always easy, but it is definitely worth it. And your support means the world to me. Let's aim to grow closer to Jesus together and tell the world about him. Next time, we are going to chat about ways we can grow closer to Christ in 2024. Funny New Year's Eve stories. I have a ton of those and more because I didn't start this podcast until July. So there are some 2023 highlights that you guys don't know about yet. I seriously can't wait. I'm so excited. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Merry Christmas from my family to yours. I will see you in episode 22. See ya!